there's, there's nobody who frowns upon like small groups for guys. I get how awkward that can be and, and like togetherness with guy bonding time. It, it can be strange and weird. And I'm the first person to know that. I really, really get that. But this was so different. And so I, I just want to recommend um, this to every guy in here. Um, John Sartell is, is speaking, and he's a gifted communicator. So I would encourage everyone in here to sign up. Um, that said, um, we're just going to go ahead and get started um, for the most part. We're going to be looking at Psalm 1 this morning. And so you can turn in your Bible to Psalm 1. And as you're finding that, I do have a, a few things as a way of just introducing who I am. And, and, you know, if you don't know me, my name is Kyle Jacobson. I'm the junior high youth minister. And... Um, I really do love my job, and I love this church. Uh, the, the, a common question I get all the time as I'm walking in the hallways and from people who don't know me, when I tell them what I do, I'm like, I'm a junior high youth minister, and it's always like, ooh, <laughs> like, ooh, that's why, or, or like, like, ooh, I'm sorry, or, or do, you even, do you like that? And so I just want you to know I love my job, and I know there's a lot of junior high parents in here, and I love, I love my job, and I love ministering to and talking to and teaching junior high students. It's, it really is a bizarre time of life. And to, to be there as they're you know, having all these transitions and as they're growing, and, to, um, and just to see their, their young minds starting to get some really big, deep truths, it's, it's a blessing, and, and I enjoy it. And so just know I, I, love, I love it. I love being a youth minister um, here at Grace of Van. And also, I, another thing I want to, to point out is, is that my, my parents are here, um, and, and, and the reason I, I want to say that is, is when I was, I came to this church four years ago, and you know, when I walked in, I was 24, I was single, I like this baby-faced looking guy, and uh, the one thing that I was trying to establish and trying to prove that I, was that I was mature. And that I, you know, because there's so many bad stereotypes with youth ministry. Like, it's like, oh, that guy, he's just, he never takes, you know, he's not serious about anything. He's not a real adult yet. He has to get the, he just wants to be a kid forever. And so, and I looked like a kid still. And so I was just like, and so, so when I got here, I was, I was, you know, 24 and single. And, and I'm not single anymore, by the way. My wife's here. Um, it's, uh, her name's Jenna. Uh, it's a testament. She's a testament that miracles truly still happen. I promise you they do. And I'm not making that up. Um, but, but four years ago, like I said, when I came here, I was trying to establish that, you know, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I can be taken serious. And, you know, I love the face of, of parents when they drop off their kids for a trip. And they're like, they would see me like, oh, what, you're in charge. Like, this is a game changer. And so, um, and so one of the things is, it was I was trying to, um, I, I tried to, you know, become more, seen, want to be seen as mature. And, and one of the ways for that to happen is I, I really did not need to be around my parents around here, if you know that makes sense, like, yeah, I can't be walking the hall behind my mom, and be like, hey, mom, are we going to church now, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't help me out, and so, and so, they, my parents are such a blessing, and, and they have given me space intentionally, and if you're a mom, you know that that's not easy to do, um, and so they, they have given me space, and, and let me have room to grow, and, and haven't been intrusive, and, and, but I, I invite them to be here, and I'm so happy they're here. Um, they attend this church, and, and again, they, they kind of stay in the background to not get in my way, um, but, but it's, I'm just glad, and I'm, and I'm thankful for them. I'm blessed to have parents like my parents, and so I'm glad they're here. Um, and then finally, before I, I start, I just want to apologize and, and from the get-go. If, 
if I start snapping at you or clapping or saying, hey, listen, like, like look up here, it's because I teach junior high twice a week. <laughs> and so, and so I got to do, I got I mean, I'm just trying my hardest to like, hey, just please pay attention. I know you're not listening, but if you would just listen to this part, like, we'll be good. And so if I, for some reason, find myself doing that at you, I'm sorry. It's just kind of a habit now, and, and I don't think I am, but you never know. And so let's just, just, just give me grace, and, and I'm sorry in the, from the get-go. Um, but that said, we're, 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 we're um, going to discuss Psalm 1 today. And mainly what we're going to discuss is, is verse 2, um, that we're going to talk about meditation on God's Word. That's where we're going with this today. There's a lot that can be talked about in this psalm. There's so many things you can say, but um, we would be here forever. So that is probably going to be our main focus, just so you know where we're going. Um, so I'm going to read the, the, entire, the entire chapter and follow along in your copies of God's Word as I read and And this is God's word, so so let's pay attention to it. Starting in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray one more time, and we'll jump into this. Father, you are good, and you have given us your word. You have revealed yourself through your word. And so I pray that during this time that your word would be clearly and accurately taught, that your Holy Spirit would empower and move in this room, and that, Father, that your word would be received and that we would be doers of it and not just hearers only. I ask for these things in in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you all to know that I have a much bigger heart for you as parents than I did four years ago when I started this job. A much, much bigger heart. Um, the reason I say, I mean, I just, I realize that being a parent is so hard. And it's, it's confusing and it's challenging. And especially if you have junior high kids or especially if your oldest is in junior high and so you're going through this junior high phase for the first time, it's, it's confusing with all the changes that are taking place. It's hard. And the reason I say I understand this more and I have a bigger heart for you is because I just get a, I get a small taste of, of what you deal with as a junior high youth minister. Just a, just a small taste. You know, I, I, find myself, I find myself constantly questioning. I find myself constantly scrutinizing and um, questioning my methods of ministering to your children. I, I find myself you know, asking and thinking, well, if I just did this, or if I just said that, or if I switched this, or changed that, or did this, or reacted like that, then, then these, these students would be ministered to better. And, and the reality is, is that, that I, I don't love your child like you love your child. 
And the reality is, is I'm not with your child nearly as long as you are with your child. And praise God. Um, not, not, not be, not, I'm talking about for their sake and for my sake. That would not be a good thing. And so if I scrutinize and question and even agonize over my methods and, and, and my decisions that I make with your children in junior high youth ministry, how much more would you as a parent and so I, I get a phone call, a couple phone calls a year from a parent, parents who are just at the end of the rope, they're at their wit's end, um, they're at the tipping point, and so they call me um, just frustrated and confused by their junior high child, and you know, that, that saying, you know, desperate times call for desperate me- measures, it really applies in that situation for them to pick up the phone and dial me up, um, but all kidding aside, I... I I really hurt and am burdened for that parent when I'm talking to them. I, 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 I kind of get the pain and the hurt there. And, and when I get that call, I try my best just to listen, and I try my best to just remind them, because I know that y'all know this. I know that y'all know that, that outside the work of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that these children's lives cannot be changed, their hearts cannot be changed, their behaviors cannot be changed unless God acts. And so I just want to try to kindly and, and, and gently remind this, the parents, this is reality. And to keep, keep, keep the course, keep going, keep working, keep doing what you were called to do. But eventually the conversation always leads to a question that I will get. I'll get the question, what else can I do? Like, what else can I do for my child? And, and that's a, a really, really good question. And it's a complex question, but, but the answer that I have, and, and for me, the most important thing that you can do for your child, the most important thing you can do for your marriage, the most important thing you can do for yourself, for your own, your own soul, is to delight in and meditate on God's Word. You know, that, that's a big statement, I mean, I get that. That's a big statement to say the most important thing you can do for your child, for your marriage, for yourself is to delight in and meditate on God's word. I get that that's a big statement. And it probably sounds like a simplistic statement. It might even sound like a Christian cliche statement. Like, you know, you always hear that in the church. Like, just read your Bible. Oh, just read your Bible. But I firmly, firmly, firmly believe the most important thing we can do for ourselves and for our, the people around us is to delight in and meditate on God's word. It's the difference from being a tree, being like a tree planted by streams of water and being like chaff. Because in this psalm, in this, in this, this, this text that we just re- read, this psalm clearly shows us two different paths. It's clear. There's two different paths. There's two different ways. There's two different directions that we can go in. And we're either going one way or we're going the other way. It's, it, it, just, it shows us two clear, distinct paths. And, and one path is called the blessed path. It's, you see that in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. This is it's known as, I call it the, or it's called the blessed path. And that term blessed, you, it, 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 it means happy. Uh, happy is a good synonym for that word blessed. You could sub out happy with that word blessed. It'll be correct to read Psalm 1 1 as happy is the man, or oh, how happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. 
It's a good, it's a correct and accurate way to understand that. And the person on this path, this blessed path, they have a true, deep, soul-satisfying happiness. Uh, This person is described as a tree planted by streams of water. And and it doesn't take much of an imagination. I don't have much of an imagination, but it doesn't take much of an imagination to picture a tree planted by streams of water. Back in the the area that I used to grow grow up in, it's um, it's now not the safest place to go um, at all. But but if I was to go back, and I haven't been back in 10 years, but if I was to go back, we were within walking distance of a lake. and, And if I would go to that lake, I guarantee you, I would see trees. I would remember the trees there. The the trees, they would only be taller and more stronger and more sturdy. But the trees are still standing, and and it's because they're planted by streams of water. The the roots grow, they grow deep, and they're thick, and they're, they're, they're nourished. The tree is nourished, constantly being nourished by streams of water. I want you to notice an interesting thing about this tree. An interesting detail about this tree is in verse 3. It says, and its leaf does not wither. I mean, despite the season, the hot season, dry season, cold season, rainy season, the leaf does not wither. It's because the, the roots continue to draw in nourishment from the streams. You know, this shows us that, 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 that this deep happiness that this psalm is talking about is not dependent on circumstance. It's so much deeper than that. Despite the circumstance, the tree does not die. The, the tree firmly stands because it's nourished by the streams of water. So that's, that's one path. That's the description of one path. And the description of the other path, it's, it's described as, as the, it's called the path of the wicked. And I want you to notice that the person on this path is described as chaff. And that's that's an unusual word. It's an interesting word. It's a, it's a fun word to say, chaff. I like chaff. What is chaff? An Old, Testament, an Old Testament commentator describes chaff as everything that is rootless and weightless and useless. To understand what chaff is, you have to picture a harvest and picture a man who gathers grain, gathers wheat, and after they gathered a bunch of grain and wheat, they would, they would then crush it by either a heavy instrument or by animal, so the wheat or the grain would be crushed. And then the man would take the crushed grain, the crushed wheat, and he would toss it in the air. And the chaff, the part that was rootless and weightless and useless and worthless, was blown away by the wind, while the heavier, more useful grain fell back to the ground, And then they would gather the chaff and they would burn it. They would destroy it so it would not blow back into the more useful grain. Chaff, it's it's dry husk, it's broken straw. Rootless, weightless, useless. Blown away by the wind and, and ultimately gathered and destroyed. That's the vivid picture this psalm gives about the person on the path of the wicked. It's a vivid picture that it gives us. That this, this, the person on this path, this path leads to nothing but pointlessness, worthlessness, unfulfillment, unhappiness. Ultimately, this path leads to destruction. 
And so the question that we must ask ourselves today, and the question that we're going to try to answer is, how do we become more like this tree and less like this chaff? The answer, if you, get, if you look, it's in verse 2. In, in my opinion, it's in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Notice that the word, that the word choice, it's, it's law. And all the commentators and all the, the smarter preachers, they all agree that this term law, it's not just limiting this to just the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount. That when it says law, it's talking about from Genesis to Revelation. It's talking about the whole counsel of God. It's talking about the, 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 all the Scriptures. And the reason why it uses the word law is because this book has authority. It's not just a, a thought for the day. Or like a Chinese fortune cookie, like a grain of wisdom that you can take or leave. No, this book has authority. And we submit to this. It's law. It has authority. And so for the rest of our time, this is what I want to do. I want to talk about what what does it mean to meditate on God's Word? What does that look like? If this is really that important, we can't afford to not know what this means. We can't afford not to apply this to our life. What does it mean to meditate on God's law? Um, you know, I think meditation, I'm always thinking like the, the guy sent Indian style with the, with the hands out doing the mmm thing. I mean, that's not what this is talking about. I think yoga, I'm not even sure what yoga is, but, but my mind thinks, I don't know if there's meditation involved or not, but, but that's not what this is talking What does it mean to meditate on God's law, God's word? And just for full disclosure, I want you to know that the three points, I'm going to give you three points, and they're like three steps, three progressive steps. And, and I got these three points from another pastor. And I would give him credit, but he got them from somebody else too. And, he's too, and he keeps talking about how he got them from somebody else. So I don't know who to give credit to. But I'm just letting you know that, that, that these three points, I was helped out greatly by this pastor. And, 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 um, and it benefited me, so I, I pray and hope that it benefits you as well. But what is meditation? Three steps. The first thing about meditation, the first step, it means to, to murmur or moan. I don't know what that means either, but that's what, the, that's what the, the commentary said. I don't know what that means. But let me tell you what that means. Let me give you an illustration of what exactly that means. Have you ever seen an, an older person read the newspaper? And the reason I say an older person is because people my age don't read the paper anymore. Um, we don't even get the paper anymore. We don't even know what a newspaper is. <laughs> But if you've ever seen an older person read the newspaper and, and you just walk by and you can see they're so locked into what they're reading. I mean, they're, they're, their mouth is moving along as they're reading. Uh, on the senior high retreat, I looked over and, and I don't know if y'all know Billy Perry or not, but he was in the middle of doing that. I mean, he's just like, headphones are on and he's just reading along with the newspaper. Mouth moving. He's just, you know, engaged, taking it in. Or maybe you've received a love letter, love letter at some point in your life. And the way you open up that love letter and, and read that love letter and pour over that love letter. And you have that, that one line that you just can't get past, that just stands out to you and you continue to read it and just pour over it and, and think about it. Or maybe you're a, one of those types of people that, that when you watch a movie, like you memorize all the lines. I hate watching a movie with you, by the way. Movies with you is not fun. Like, it's not cool that you're knowing the line before they're saying it. I don't, I don't like that. But, but, but you know, like, you, you, can, you know the lines, and there's a part in that movie, there's a line that sticks out that just gives you kind of chills, and you're just like, you know, again, you know it. You, it's on your lips. 
That's what this means to moan or to murmur. It's on your lips. It's, you've poured over it. You have, in, you have read it intently. That's the first step. And this first step in meditating on God's law, the second step is that it's intellectual. It, it, you must understand what you're reading. Now, let me be honest with y'all. I'm going to be honest, and you can judge me. <laughs> That's fine. Um, there's parts in the Bible that are really hard to understand. And there's, there's parts, there's, I mean, I've had moments in my life when I re- where I'd read chapter after chapter after chapter in some book in the Old Testament and literally have no clue, not the slightest clue of what I'm reading. Or I would stumble into one of the obscure minor, minor prophets and not understand anything about the entire book. I mean, I'm not sure, I mean, judge me. I mean, I, I know I'm staff and that probably doesn't sound good. I get that. I mean, I might get fired, but whatever. I mean, but that's just the truth. Or you, you read a story and you're like, what in the world is that doing in the Bible? Or you read a verse and you're like, I, I, that, doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like what I've been taught about the Christian faith. That seems like it's contradicting the rest of Scripture. That, and it kind of makes you nervous. And you're kind of like, well, I'm just going to ignore that and hopefully it just goes away. I mean, what? I've been there. And I just want to let you know... Th- this is where a good study Bible comes into play. I recommend the ESV study Bible. Once I got the ESV study Bible, I'm telling you, it has changed my time of reading with the Lord. It's just changing. It's, it's, it's unlocked so much truth that I didn't even know was there. Um, what I do is I, I read this first, this Bible first. I have the ESV study Bible opened over here. I don't want to read that first because I'm going to focus on what the guys say about it. And I, I know I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside me. And I know this book is, I can understand this book. So I want to give it a shot first. And then what I don't understand, I go to the ESV study Bible. And then I take what I learn, I go back over here and I try to apply it and work with it. But guys, we, we must understand what we're reading. We must understand it. But here's the problem. We do those first two steps. If and when we read our, our Bibles, and I'm guilty of this still today because I run out of time, but if and when we read our Bibles, we, we do those first two steps and we stop there. It's like we read our Bible, we, we read it, we understand it, and we're like, oh, that's talking about Jesus. Close, walk away. Oh, that's forgiveness of sin. Close and close the Bible and walk away. The, here's the problem with just doing the first two and not getting to the third step is that is that we have not yet fed on God's word. We have, like, the, the tree draws in water through the roots, and we haven't done that yet. It's like we've gone to a restaurant and grabbed a menu and read the menu, and like, ah, oh, steak and potatoes. I get that. Put the menu up and walk out the restaurant. It's like, well, you, you haven't tasted the food yet. We haven't done that yet within, with these first two steps by just reading and understanding the third step's important. We must absorb it or integrate it, it, integrate it into our lives. Um, Tim Keller, and I think you're all familiar with him, he has a very helpful saying or quote to help me understand what, what this means to absorb or integrate God's Word. He says, he says, you must take yourself in hand and say to yourself, self, do you believe this? I want to give you an illustration of what this practically looks like. And I'm going to give you an illustration from my life. And let me tell you, I'm not giving you an illustration from my life to elevate myself. 
or to give you, I don't want to deceive you to think that I'm doing it right and I have it together, so, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to give you a practical illustration from my life to, to, to show you what this means, what this is like. And, and, and I'll, I'll give you the specific date. It was, it was a Monday. It was January 6th, Monday, 2014. Monday morning. You might be like, why? How do you remember the exact date? Oops, I journaled it. I don't journal often, I've got to be honest, but I journaled about this date. And I usually journal when something significant happens in my life or when I'm just down, depressed, hurting. Because this is a way for me to kind of gather my thoughts and sort through what's going on. And so here's what I wrote on a Monday morning, January 6th. I wrote this. I I taught Psalm 51 yesterday. Psalm 51, that's a big psalm. That's where David is repenting from um, his affair with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah, uh, Bathsheba's husband. It's a very, very significant psalm. I taught Psalm 51 yesterday. I felt as though I had lost 92% of the room. By the way, if we had 100 students on that day, give or take, that means only eight were tracking, not the percentage you're going for in teaching. (laughs) And I wrote, I, wrote I, I hate that. I, I hate that. And for many reasons. I wrote why, why I'm so down and discouraged and why I just hate that I, I taught Psalm 51 so poorly. The first thing I says, I, I, I really am convinced that I can do nothing worse than to bore people with the Bible, especially Psalm 51. I mean, here's a group of junior high kids, and, and I mean, I mean they, they need to get and understand Psalm 51. It's my responsibility to communicate it to them. And the last thing I want is for a junior high student to be bored with the Bible. There's nothing worse I can do in that ministry than bore a junior high child with the Bible. And I did that, and I hated it. And, and you know, I don't know if you've been in a situation when you're upset and down and hurting, but you just get irrational thoughts just to kind of flood your mind. I don't know about you, but that happens to me. And so all Sunday afternoon and Sunday night, these are just some of the irrational thoughts that are flooding my mind and stuff that I'm dealing with. Um, These are some of the questions that just kind of enter my mind. Why do I try so hard? What's the point? How How can I ever teach for a living? If I was not married, I would quit. Brent's in here, I wouldn't. I'm joking. If I wasn't married, I would quit. Where else could I go? I feel trapped. I mean, these are just some of the irrational, crazy thoughts that are just flooding my mind. And I wake up on a Monday morning still down, still hurting, still upset. And I'm just reading through the Psalms. And so the Psalm for that day was Psalm 16. You can flip over to Psalm 16 if you have your Bible. Flip over to Psalm 16 because this this was what I read this morning, that morning. And it was just such a blessing from God. Here's what, here's what it says, starting in verse 1. And it grabbed my attention right away. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now, I read that and I really understand what that means. But I must take myself in hand and say, Self, do you believe this? Do you believe that you can take refuge in God? Do you believe that God can preserve you? And so I thought about that. And I just sat there and contemplated and thought and, and worked that into my life. And finally I found myself 
busting out saying, God, yes, I do believe in you alone can I take refuge. You are my refuge. You do preserve me. I need to be preserved. Second verse here, it says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And again, I understand that. I read it. I understand it. But I must take myself in hand and ask myself, self, do you believe this? Do you believe that you have no good apart from God? And so I sat there and I thought about it. I thought about my life. I thought about what's good in my life. And honestly, my mind immediately goes to my wife. It goes to Jenna. It does. And then, and then it, it, I start thinking about other things like salvation, obviously, the undeserved gift of salvation, and just the countless good that's in my life. I can trace it all back to one source, God. And next thing you know, I find myself crying out, yes, Father, I, I have no good apart from you. The world is telling me I have a lot of good apart from you, but there is no good in my life apart from you. I wish I can go through the rest of the psalm, but for the sake of time, let's just flip to that last verse in verse 11. It says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. Again, I get that. But I must take myself in hand and say, Self, do you believe this? Do you believe that in the presence of God there is the fullness of joy? And I thought about it. And and next thing you know, I, I find myself just busting out in a prayer, God, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Keep me in your presence. Never let me leave your presence. Never let me stray away from your presence. Draw me closer to your presence. I believe that in your presence alone is the fullness of joy. Not anywhere else. Everything else is is fleeting and meaningless. But in your presence is the fullness of joy. I believe that. Keep me in your presence. Draw me closer. Never let me go. And here's the point. My soul was uplifted. I I found myself rejoicing. I was happy. And it wasn't because I was given some sort of false reality. Or now I was just seeing life as, you know, optimistically glass half full. What happened was is that I forgot reality. And God's word reminded me. I had completely forgot about reality. And God's word reminded me. and, And it brought joy. It brought happiness. My soul was uplifted. And I just want you all to know, this is not a leaky faucet. This is streams, streams of living water. And if you neglect this, you're a sitting duck. You're becoming like chaff. And my prayer now when I, when I approach God's word is, is, is that, you know, Father, I just want to know you. You know, it's not about good, having good luck for the day or, or I'm out of guilt. Like, I had to confess those things. But I, I come to God's word just saying, God, I want to know you. And I need others need me to know you. And again, when you have, when you commune with God, how can you not delight in God's word? How can you not delight in it? You see, one of the problems with me growing up and why this was so difficult for me was all along as growing up, all my Sunday school teachers would tell me, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And, and, and it sounded a lot, to, like, a, lot alike, a lot like my parents telling me to eat my vegetables or clean my room. Oh, you don't like it, but it's good for you. You know, who wants that? 
Who wants to commit themselves to that? I can't. I, I, I can't. But when I commune with God through His Word, how can your soul not find delight? You see, one of the marks of a Christian is that we have the ability to delight in God's Word and to submit to God's Word. Unbelievers, unregenerate people cannot do that. They cannot delight in God's Word. They cannot submit to God's Word. Um, Romans 8, 7, I'll flip to it. You don't have to flip. Romans 8, 7 is clear about this. It says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. It does not submit. It cannot submit. And so I say that not to guilt you and be like, well, if I was a better Christian, I would delight in God's law. I'm not saying that like that. I'm saying that as a way to encourage you and let you know that you have the ability and we have the ability to delight in God's law because we are saved, because we have been saved by God's grace. And because of that, we can delight in God's law. And, and to commune with God is a pleasure because it's a father, as a son communing with his father. And so where do we go from here? Where do we go? Um, I, a couple things and I'm finished. First, I just want to, I, I just want to, encourage you to read your Bible. The, the part that takes discipline is, is the, the, the part of finding a time and, and guarding that time and fighting for that time, whether it's morning, evening, afternoon, whenever it is. But I, I ask you to find whatever time that is and, and fight for that time and, and use that time to, to read Meditate on God's law. I also encourage you to do this in community because, you know, this reading God's word, it's not, it's, it's a group project. It's a community effort. Like, we need each other to do this. It wasn't designed for us to be solo doing this. That's why, that's why we meet and that's why we, we hear the teaching of God's, God's word. We need to do this together. And that's why this place offers Bible studies and, and that's why Dr. being out there and listening to Dr. Young is so important. We do this together as a community. And finally, and most importantly, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus because the reality is is that I I do not delight in God's law like I should. I fall short in that category. Just like I fall short in every category. I fall way short of God's standards, including delighting in God's law. And so the good news is that Jesus delighted in God's law perfectly for me. And so those days those times that I miss a day or miss a week or miss weeks, the response cannot and should not be, well, I knew it. I knew I couldn't do it. I'm just not disciplined and not as Christian as as those other guys and as Dr. Young. I knew I couldn't do it and I'm giving up. No, we look to Jesus because, because thank goodness... Our favor and acceptance with God, thank goodness, is not based on our performance of meditating on God's law. Because I would be in a world of hurt. Our favor and acceptance is found in Christ. And so we look to Him. And then we, we ask that we would be given this desire, given this delight, given this ability to read and understand and meditate on God's law. And then we go back after it. So I, I, I'll leave you with this. I b- firmly believe this the most important thing you can do for yourself, for your soul, and for others around you is to delight in and meditate on God's law. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And I ask now that your Holy Spirit would move and, and that, Father, we would leave here encouraged. Father, there's, I, I'm not, I know that there's, there's people who struggle. We all struggle greatly. And so we look to you for help. We look to you for aid. Would you give all of us a desire to, to meditate on your word? Would you give us discipline to meditate on your word? Would you give us delight? And when we do that, Father, would you give us a heart that just wants to know you? And Father, would you reveal yourself to us? We don't deserve any of it. We don't. We, we, we are sinful. We have rebelled against you. But we ask for these things in Jesus' name. That, that you would come and you would meet us and that you would show and reveal yourself to us through your word. We thank you for your son. In him we do have acceptance and favor. We have forgiveness. We have confidence. So we thank you for him. And we ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a pleasure to be here with y'all. And um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So y'all have a good one. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I, I wish I had remembered.